Chapter 1 The impression Louis had gotten from the letter he had barely skimmed over regarding his housing was that his flatmate was to arrive the same day as him. Is this an exciting prospect? No. However, does he want to get it over with so he can finally hate the fucker? Yes. So Louis waits. He waits long enough, a foot tapping against polished floors, that his stomach growls and his eyes cross, and his fingers scratch the fabric of his jeans, because Louis is fucking impatient and he hates rich people. Where the hell is this bastard? Decidedly uneasy, he decides to spend the time unpacking, something he rarely ever does. Usually upon his return from any holiday or extended absence, his suitcases sit on the floor, stuffed with rumpled clothes and dirty socks, remaining untouched for weeks, sometimes months. It's not until Louis wakes up one morning and wonders, where did that one shirt go, that they will uncamouflage themselves from piles of track pants and Desiree before becoming actively unpacked. It's a problem of Louis's, always procrastinating, always forgetting. But he unpacks now, does a marvelous fucking job of it, hanging shirts on actual hangers and folding trousers in neat little stacks. And once his room is sufficiently set up, bearing the fact that it's far too sparse to Louis's liking, but this is, after all, his first day here, he takes to the other rooms of the suite. He stays far away from the kitchen, because that is one place he never understood. There's really not much to be done with the place. Louis's lack of personal belongings, combined with the overwhelming abundance of ornate trash that clutters the rooms, leaves for little creativity in wiggle room. However, he does manage to safely stow away the semi-disturbing paintings, of which appears to be bestiality. He really doesn't give a fuck if there's a Greek myth about Zeus shape-shifting. A bird-fucking-a-girl is still a bird-fucking-a-girl, and soon the stuffy atmosphere begins to take a slightly more home-esque feel to it. Perhaps there's hope yet. It's been three solid hours and four missed calls from his mum, which Louis refuses to cater to, thanks, since Louis's arrival, and every single ratty cardboard box has been unpacked and unceremoniously dumped outside. This is what success feels like. And loneliness. Because even though he's already decided that his soon-to-be flatmate is banned of his existence, Louis can't help but notice he's not arriving. And it's nearing evening, which means he may not arrive. Which means Louis spends the night alone, bored, without friends or distractions. And how the hell is he supposed to cope with that when he feels like being entertained? Not checking the time because that would insinuate he cares. He resolutely decides to leave the flat. He will leave, he will explore, and he will have dinner at a quaint cafe so he can send Stan artsy pictures of himself sipping tea in the sunset in order to make him feel jealous for not having come along with him. Because, goddammit, somebody better be jealous of him when he's feeling this shitty. Grabbing keys and a scarf, Louis exits stage right, and avoiding the increasingly dense clusters of rich bitch drones scattered about the grounds, he ducks out of the gates and sneaks off down the cobbled street, all the while decidedly not wondering about the whereabouts of his flatmate. He's certainly not overthinking anything. He's not. It's just that old age question keeps popping up, settling in his bones and gnawing at his brain. Do I take this incredible opportunity given by Charles and build a future for myself and my family? Or do I shit all over it, smear it on the walls, and waste the fuck out of every last pound? Like he said, the age-old question. And while it claws at the back of his mind, 
they really should address the situation at some point in the future because terms starting in three days. Louis actively focuses his mind to remain blank and neutral, instead focusing on the tea at his lips. Somehow, it manages to slosh out the sides and spill all over his trousers because, of course, but he disregards it. Instead of absorbing the quaintness of the cafe that's located surprisingly far from the school, probably when he realized upon walking here, he regrets not wearing better shoes. But the quaintness can only last for so long, and after checking his Facebook for the seventh and a half time in seven consecutive minutes, and two failed t attempts at people watching, where are all the fit men in this town? Louis leaves with nothing to show but a cat-shaped tea stain on his thigh and a bored scowl. He'd originally planned to walk home directly, content to just listen to his iPod, separate from the world and the tragic circumstances that plagued him. No, he's not being dramatic. But boredom seemed to have gotten the best of him, because before he can fully comprehend the situation, he's taking vintage-tinted selfies by the roadside and parameters of his school. And while, yes, some of the purpose of these photos are to brag to Stan, there is also a slow creeping fondness blooming at the root of Louis' stomach as he observes the quietly busy streets of its or with its ornate lampposts, flower baskets, the tall ancient walls of the university standing boldly all around him, bathed in amber light. Maybe this place isn't so bad, with its smells of coffee, blossom, and warm bread. It's certainly a good backdrop for pictures, not that he's admitting anything. Admits a post smile that even he admits is a bit sassy. The steady, slow thump of the town is suddenly interrupted by the putt-putt of an ancient engine rattling into life as it steadily increases in volume. Perhaps a picturesque little antique vehicle is trudging along, a wee little man at the wheel, cap atop his head while smoking a pipe. It would certainly fit it with his surroundings. How charming! But then suddenly the putt-putt is at full blast, and the screeching of tires is not far behind. Instinctively fearing for his life, Louis immediately hops back onto the curb, twirling around just in time to see the source of the chaos as it speeds past. It's an old cream-tinted vehicle, much like the one Louis imagined, probably from around the 30s or 40s, which is a fret in itself, and absolutely stunning from what Louis briefly sees. It's open, convertible style and the white leather of the seats glints in the sun. But its occupants, which are most certainly not old men, there are three, clean the insides lavishly. Two figures in pastel suits sprawled together in the front, hands barely on the wheel, and the third one in the back, perched atop the seats rather than in them. The dark curly head of this precarious sat bloke tips back in delight as they speed further out of sight raising what appears to be a bottle of actual fucking champagne in the air, and the sound of crackling laughter follows the tridly clad trio as the vehicle wildly rounds the corner, disappearing from view. The stillness left in their wake is almost louder than they themselves. Louis stands there, at a complete loss for words, phone in hand, the sassy selfie still plastered across his screen. Because what the fuck? Did that really just happen? Three kids adorned in salmon and cream fucking suits just whipped by in a perfectly restored, vintage fucking car, practically falling out of it and laughing as if they had no care in the world, all while thrusting a bottle of champagne in the air? What the actual fuck? Of course, this falling over itself to kiss his own Aris school managed to be the most painfully stereotypical portrait of indulgence and gluttony. Of course, its inhabitants are swarmed of spoiled brats 
clad in tailor suits and homemade shoes, lacking any sense of decorum or subtlety. Of fucking course. And here he had thought he was growing to like the place. With bitterness and disdain held perfectly intact, Louis pockets his phone and makes his way home, resolutely ignoring the pang of loneliness in the prospect of returning to an empty flat. Not that he wants a flatmate, especially after that street spectacle. If that's what these students are like, he wants none of it. In no way did that look fun. Not one way. Twats. The next day, Louis awakens with a newfound sense of self, because yes, he spent the night completely alone, without a soul to share a word, and he loved it. He actually really loved it. How had he ever felt so lonely before? Being alone was incredible. Louis's music blasted from the speakers tucked in the corners of the crown-molded ceilings. Louis danced in the space provided, as obnoxiously as he saw fit. He was a drama student, after all. Louis's things were scattered on the floor in their precise positions, and Louis shut the windows from all the chaos of the outside without a second thought or worry, banging at the moon until the wee hours of the morning. He could flip the obnoxiously sized flat screen on and blast it at full volume and walk around naked. It was fan-fucking-tastic. And so Louis awakens with the promise of the next day on the tips of his fingertips as they push back the covers of his bed, brushes his teeth with the joy of solitude, and scratches his bum as he stares forlornly at the empty fridge for as long as he damn well pleases. Because he can. Eventually, he settles himself down in one of the plush velvet chairs that feels like something out of Harry Potter, tea in hand, and makes the plan his day. It will be Louis time, a day to himself to cater his own needs and not pretend to put someone else's before him. With his mum, who he still hasn't called back, hello, seven missed calls, oops, at a refreshing distance away, and no sisters to pull him in five different directions, Louis is a free bird, and it's high time this bird flew. With plans swirling and warm tea in his belly, Louis opens every window, uncaring at the constant stream of passerbys that he can easily peer over into his little sanctuary. And when did this go from a hell pit to a sanctuary, exactly? Because he's still not sure if he's even here. He doesn't know how to attend dinners with professors or wear gowns for examinations. And instead, sucks in the fresh summer air with renewed vigor. A day for himself. A day without a flatmate. Hell, every day could be a day without a flatmate if he doesn't end up arriving. But that wouldn't be a godsend. Louis mutters in the warm silence taking one last meaningful sip of tea. So naturally, it's then that his flatmate arrives.